0: Love Talk Radio.
1: of Runger Radio. Tonight we have special guest Ralph Shuckett from the early utopia years and we have lots of news and information for you as always. Isn't that correct?
2: This is correct.
1: Excellent. So, we have interviewed Ralph before on this show as you all know. Hopefully. If not, we did that last year. And so, we ask a ton of questions. We have a lot of callers. And we would like to have callers again because we ask a lot of questions and it's your turn so tonight call 646 716 press the one it will raise a hand for us so we'll know you want to ask a question and say hello to ralph because you're going to get a chance to say hello to him if you go to the california gigs perhaps that's and right and so why not go ahead and get a head start and go hey i called you on the show and i said this and i'll go oh yeah so he'll give you a talking point of course he will
2: of course he will yeah, he's the uh, he is replacing Roger Powell yes. for the California gigs. And um, I don't know, is he replacing Roger for the European gigs?
1: That's mm. correct. There you go. Replace, though, is a term that should be used gently because you could argue Roger cannot be replaced, et cetera. But oh, yeah. you could also yeah. argue that Ralph couldn't be replaced, et cetera. But anyway, Roger is going to go back to work full time with his gig he was doing prior to AWATS and during Watts, and it's going to take a break. So Ralph Shuckett was who Todd chose. Great decision. Ralph has history with Todd and has history with tons of people, as you've probably seen in the information about him that we posted on the show. All right, so let's move into announcements cruising out First, got to tell you, another reason I like to get some calls tonight is I'm a little lightheaded. It's not a hangover. I think I got some kind of cold on the airplane coming back from Texas. I got a swollen tongue. Makes it hard for me to talk.
3: <laughs> really? Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh! What'd you do? Sprain your tongue?
1: I don't know. I bit it, I think.
2: Oh. Ooh. Yeah. You do sound a little, a little, uh, a little tired or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got. I, know, I sat by this guy on the plane and he was sniffling and whatnot. I was like, damn it. Because I've been fighting all that stuff all year. I've done pretty well, but not now. Nothing's going to kill me, just a little slight cold, so I'll be a little mellow.
2: Have you never been mellow? <laughs> oh, All right, God. So we'll talk
1: about, Not, uh, where did I
2: pull that from? I don't
1: know. Oh. oh yellow. Yeah. All right, Billy Jane's book is out December the 15th. This is A Dream Goes On Forever, Part 2. The continuing story of Todd Rundgren. The forward will be by Catherine Sultan. And you can get a pre-order it now if you want, Cruiser Mail. What's the information on the pre-order action?
2: What I've got is you can make a telephone call. This is kind of old school. Telephone call to Golden Treasures, which I guess is the publishing company or something. Their phone number is 479-795-4209. And they should be able to give you all the info that you need.
1: Very
2: nice. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh learning more information.
1: More and more. Well, mm-hmm. it's 77 to 87 is the years that were covered. And I know there were some issues with the first one, of course, but they have had this one heavily edited. If you can find more than one mistake, I'll be shocked, but that is the deal. So, okay. There you go. Yeah. It's going to be good. Going to be good. It's gonna be nice. Lots of good pictures, of course. Yep. So check it out. Only book about Todd, really. Technically, I guess. Only you know serious attempt at a book on Mister Rungward.
2: Which is that sort of surprises me, but it's okay. It's it's all right as long as we got something.
1: Nothing surprises me in the Todd
2: world. (laughs) True. All
1: right. So Chasm's on tour. What's up with that?
2: Well, he's got a couple of things coming up. November twentieth. In Philadelphia, he's going to be playing at the Hard Rock Cafe, and then on December 20th, he's going to be back in Philadelphia, playing at the M Room, and I think we've got an announcement about something that falls somewhere in between.
1: That is what, correct. What do you know? We have a some scoop. Scoop! Ta-da! <laughs> I'm not sure if this is out at all. I got confused, but... I think we're supposed to be the first people to announce it there since it's officially been booked. Maybe not. Yep. Have you seen it anywhere?
4: Yes.
2: Mm. But then shortly after I saw it somewhere, which I don't even remember where I saw it, um, uh, Dave K. went on the TR Connection and said, tune in to Grin Radio for the official announcement Tuesday. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. There was an email out from Chasm Info about Chasm booking a gig on December the 4th. That has since been corrected. Here is the information. Thursday, December the 3rd, 2009, at 8 o'clock p.m., Chasm will be performing solo at the famous Molly Malone's in L.A.
2: Yeah, you know, he called in, uh, I guess it was this time last week, and said, why don't we put together a show and, you know, ask and ye shall receive, apparently. <laughs> so somehow a show has been put together. And, uh, I mean, if you're going to be in Los Angeles for the the LA and Ventura gigs, you may as well tack on an extra day, come in a day early, and go see Kaz.
1: There you go. Molly Malone's is on 575 South Fairfax Avenue. I got more information from you. General admission, all ages. The venue only holds 150 people. Okay. By the well, way, we know he, he can pull in day. 400 and something. So.
2: Better get your ticket.
1: Yeah. By the way, we didn't um, we didn't book that that gig. Chasm called us about it, but uh, Carrie got that done, I believe. So, yeah, we're just along for the ride and making the announcement, and we will be there, of course, with Flying Colors on.
2: Well, maybe not Flying Colors, but some colors.
1: All right, I'm going to wear my gold lame.
2: Your gold lame suit,
1: yes. <laughs> the venue only holds 150 people. So buy your tickets online at chasmstore.com. Snooze, you lose.
2: Where where was that chasm store?
1: chasmstore.com. Okay. The set will be 45 minutes in length. Please come out and show your love and support for chasm as a solo artist. The gig will set the bar for future West Coast solo shows. I would say band shows as well.
2: Well, but this particular one, it's just chasm. That's right. You won't have his band with him for this particular, you know, one-off
1: show. Yes. Oh. Tickets are $12 in advance at the dot ChasmStore.com. Chasm Tickets at the door, day of show, will be $15 cash only. There's a $2 ticketing fee per order in addition to some postage fee. Um, that applies to each order, the $2 not to each ticket, I believe. So it's not a... $12 plus $2. It's if you order 10 tickets, you have a $2 charge. If you order one ticket, you have a $2 charge. That's okay. True. I get it. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So do we want to talk about um, a little bit more California action before Ralph calls in? Um, Such as any information we might have on hotels?
1: Sure. We did get the chasm, change the date and fill and all that, right? Yes. Right.
2: Eleven twenty
1: and twelve twenty. And twelve three
2: in between. One of the charity
1: event. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's the hard rock.
1: Alright. So we gotta get into hotels. If you're going to the Sacramento gig and we appreciate you if you are, it's gonna be a lot of fun. And it's gonna be a very intimate show as I like to call it, because it's a small venue and it's very narrow and it is supposed to be absolutely wonderful according to our locals there. Uh, Roger Linder and the Minix, and we have got a group rate at a hotel there. It's the only one we've got so far. There are some other deals going on with some people. We'll talk about those too. But this is the Citizens Hotel, and you can call them and tell them you're with Rungrin Radio, and they will give you a group deal, um, and that includes free internet too. We worked that into it. So, and it's
2: absolutely, it's a wonderful looking place. Oh, it's really awesome.
1: Oh, uh, it's, it's going to be a great situation. It's right across the street from the venue, and you can see the venue and in, in most of the rooms. It's going to be part of your view a uh, block away, I say. I don't know if that's technically across the street. I'm not sure how you get there, but uh, <laughs> they're very excited about having us, which reminds me a lot of the Akron Hotel. And this is a four-star hotel, by the way. The bar will stay open late for us if we are still partying. So it's all good. Yeah. Yep. All right. It's beautiful. The link's on uh, what was the rate, I, what,
2: what was the rate we got? 99 bucks, if you mentioned Rungan Radio?
1: Yes, yeah, 99 for a queen and 109 for a king. The king rooms are a little bigger. And there were some other options. But there's um, they do have rooms with two queen beds. At first they didn't put those up, but they should be up by now on the website. They have a special website for us where you can book online or you can call them. But if you want the special link to just book online through the group rate, go to awatslive.com, dot com, A W A T S A-W-A-T-S, live dot com and you can do that there. Okay. How about that? You
2: can get yourself all signed up already. Yep. I mean we're talking we are talking it's four weeks from tonight that the San Francisco show starts. Did did you realize that, Doug? <laughs>
1: uh, I'm trying not to think about that. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, it's four it
2: weeks and a day then until the Sacramento show.
1: Yeah, let me tell you, there's starting with the San Francisco show, and all the way up to Ventura, we got a little who's who. We got some people coming out of the woodwork from Todd's past, Todd's present, and Todd's future that will be at some of these gigs. So, you need to come to check them out and meet some of these people, or um, you'll be left out. I won't mention names yet. Eventually perhaps.
2: That's right. Got to leave people wanting more.
1: (laughs) Uh. Uh, All right. So, (laughs) oh, man, I'm dying over here. You are, aren't you?
2: Okay, then uh, the next place that we're moving would be Los Angeles. Um, On Thursday the 3rd, uh, you should go down that day so that you will be there in time to see Chasm's show. And I believe Kathy Lee B., has somehow worked out a group deal in Los Angeles at the... It's either the Hilton Checkers or the Checkers Hilton.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, I don't know the details on that,
1: but... Call them and call Checkers and ask for a Todd Rundgren AWOTS special. And also the Vagabond Hotel across the street from the Ventura venue uh, uh, already has a deal. It's it's the AWOTS group. It's real cheap, but... Um, the only one we've officially set up is the one in Sacramento for now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Marianne wants to talk for some reason. I'm not sure what that means. I guess she wants to talk now. Okay. Um, That's her down at the bottom, right? Yeah. yeah. Let's, no. Uh, is it? Let me see. We need to talk about this deal with Prayer Prince first.
2: Oh, okay. Sorry, Marianne.
1: We'll get Hold, you, please. We'll get you, no doubt. Yeah, that is her on the bottom. Okay, so Prairie Prince has a new shirt that he helped design. Well, it's a Tube shirt, but Prairie designed it. Somebody else took the photos, but you can see it at tubes.com forward slash merch.htm or just go to tubes.com and look for merch, and you can see a new shirt that Prairie designed has his photo on it, as a matter of fact. Also, the Tubes are coming out with a new Rarity CD, and Prairie did the cover art along with Michael Cotton. That will be available on November the 10th, but you can download it now at iTunes if you want to get an early start if you're a big Tubes fan. How about that?
2: Very cool. Yes, I saw pictures of it today. It looks kind of cool.
1: There you go. Sarah Lee is our guest next week. If you don't know who that is, she played bass with Todd on the last four, I guess it was, arena gigs, four or five, something like that. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And
2: she's lovely. She's lovely, so she'll she should be fun to talk to
1: next week. Yes, yeah, she's English, so we get a little bit of that accent going. It's not too heavy. Uh, she played in the band Gang of Four for a while, played with the B-52s for a while. Got a nice resume, good bass player. Picked up arena very fast, good voice. So we'll have her on in a week. And, Cruiser Mail. let's yes. talk to Marianne. If we have time, we'll talk about Austin. Okay. Because I'm sure Marianne wants to talk about A-Wat Cali, and that's next on our agenda. So let's see what she's got. Okay, Marianne,
3: what's up? Hi, guys.
1: Hey.
5: Hello. Hey,
3: how's it going? Good. Good. I just have to tell you, just I'll be real quick. Larry and I went down to Sacramento today and went to the Crest Theater uh, and talked to the lady there. And we put up some flyers and we went around Sacramento and put up flyers at quite a few different places. But she let us go in and look at the theater. Oh my God. It is so gorgeous. There is not a bad seat in the house, I guarantee you. They, they are just wonderful, just wonderful. It's going to be so neat, and it's like, just like like you said, it's like about a two-minute walk to the hotel.
1: Oh, really. awesome so it's,
3: hotel. Really, it's really great.
1: Well, that venue, what's, what's weird to me about the whole thing is how it looks on, on computer. It looks like all the seats are bad on the seating chart, which if you look at the real photos, you can tell that's not the case. I don't know why. Oh, no. We,
5: we went all over. We sat
3: in a whole bunch of different seats. We went way up the stairs and sat up on top, and we sat down at the bottom, and we sat on the side and sat in the middle, and we were just running around like nuts in there. And... uh uh, every every seat is is going to be great. They're very inclined, a very steep incline. So Larry says, "Okay, sit in front of me. Sit in front of me." So I sat in front of him. He goes, "Oh, I can totally see over you, you know." So well, and then you're not we,
1: exactly cream build Bill you know.
3: Well, no, I know, <laughs> but you know, my, I have big hair. But and then so then we decided to make a little side trip to the Capitol building, and we went into uh, where Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger's office is. And there was a guard outside, and I said, can we take pictures? He goes, yeah, sure. So we I held up some flyers in front of Arnie's office, and we took some pictures.
1: <laughs> did you take some pictures inside the venue? Uh,
3: we did. It was pretty dark in there. I took a couple, and if I can figure out, I'll try to send them to you. But it was it was pretty dark. But then there's also really, in the lobby, there's a beautiful area. It's, like, down a couple steps, and it's all – Kind of open, but enclosed it open at the same time. And you can see that they like have, you can have a bar set up, or like was you know, you could put merchandise tables there or something. It's really a nice setup. Okay. And uh, she went ahead and put some flyers up inside. It. She says, Well, if you have a big poster, come and bring one. She says, I'll put it up.
1: Wow. Who did you talk to? Did you talk to Sid by chance over there? I can't remember
3: her name. She told us, but she's, she's worked there for like 11 years. We're standing outside, and the place is locked. And I thought, God, I don't know what we can do. So I, I called their number and talked to her. And I said, we're standing out in front, and we want to put some flyers up. She said, oh, I'll come out and let you in. So she did. Right. She was really nice. Well, they- and um, it was uh, it's, it's really, really a neat neat theater. It's, it's going to be really great.
1: Well, they've been great to work with. The sound guy that we had used to do sound for Todd. We talked about that last week, so that's kind of cool. A little history yeah. there. The founder mm-hmm. of TRC lives in Sacramento. I mean, we've got a lot of ties in there in the Todd. Yeah. and uh-huh. uh, we're looking forward to that now. Did did the um, four seats were they as tiered as the upstairs were tiered a pretty good bit? You know. Staff, yes. Talking about? Wow. That's yes. Really, really good to hear. They are. They're,
3: they're tiered and. and and then um yeah it's it's there's like a wide area in between the the lower section and the upper section, and it's really tiered it's it's yeah there there'll be no problem seeing oh, and then we cool. went over to a place called Skip's Music, it's a big music store in Sacramento, and put some flyers in there and those guys in there no taught they they know they're they're fans, so they were excited to find out about it. They said, oh, yeah, we used to have his uh the guitar in here we had it on display, the one that he got from Eric Clapton, you know, and now he sold it, and all that they were talking about that
1: well, that's good, yeah, because we're trying to get the word out there, of course, um, yep, we've got a radio ad, we're still working on getting that finalized um, that should be starting soon. We're going to be in the Sacramento News and Review, I believe starting this Thursday, so uh we're going to start pimping it over there we We could use some help, we need some more folks, I think it's just you know lack of education, if you will, getting the word out, but we're working on that. And um, there was. Um, let me ask you. Okay, so we're talking about the tiered seats. If I had Dave Knife, Mark Reister, uh, and Kathy Levy in front of me, would I be able to see?
3: The I thought they were sitting in front of me. I'm, no, I'm just
1: making this as an example. Oh, oh, yeah,
3: yes, I think so. I really do. It's but it's, it's really quite steep.
1: Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. So you went to the hotel too. Tell us about the hotel.
3: We did, we went into the hotel too, we and uh we checked out some of the rooms. We looked at the rooms of course i I want the governor's suite, but ah, uh, I don't know if I can swing that, but the rooms are very nice they're they're not real big, they're small, but they're they are really, really nice and Of course, we went to see if we could put any flyers up there, and she said no, but what? <laughs> yeah they don't they don't do that there she said,
2: well, you but, know what its it's a pretty classy place." It really
3: is it really is they have the you know the 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 valet parkers and the bell the bell are outside they have a little stand and everything right in front of the hotel, and it's really quite nice
1: well, plus that's not really uh, our target market people who are coming in and leaving
3: <laughs> right exactly where government, our government works yeah, yeah,
1: that's good, well, that's great. Yeah. I'm really excited about that hotel. they've been super nice too. Oh, really good. Excited. That's good.
3: Yeah, they were really, really nice when we went in there, too. She was just, I mean, she just handed us some keys and let us go look at rooms. So nice. oh. yeah. All
1: right.
3: Well, yeah. We're looking
1: forward to coming to your city.
3: Oh, goody. Uh, goody, goody. We'll try and arrange for nice weather. We'll really, really try.
1: That would be good. I know it's gonna probably. Well, it was be good. only
3: 78 today, but, you know. Not
1: bad. Not bad. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
3: Mm. Oh.
1: Excellent. All right. Plus, uh, okay. I don't know what's still going on, but you can. You know, we talked about this last week. Southwest was running that $25 deal. You could fly in between cities in California for 25 So I'm I think there. that was
3: over, at, like at midnight a couple days ago.
1: Was it? All right. Well, yeah. You lose people. That's it. All right, Mary Well, thanks for the scoop.
3: All righty. Okay. Bye.
2: We'll see you in four weeks.
3: All right. Yes.
2: Oh, my
1: God. That's scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. my God. So we have... Somebody on hold, too, so I'm hoping they're calling to ask Ralph some questions from area code 512. And that's Pippi. Damn it. Yes. Damn it. <laughs> I got that number figured out. Pippy. what are you doing?
6: Oh, are you talking to me? Yeah. Can you hear me, or am I really um, messed up like I was last time I called for my cell phone?
1: No,
3: well, you sound fine. Much better.
6: Oh, okay. Well, I don't have you guys on speakerphone tonight, so... Um, I'm driving home. I just saw a client, and I'm so tired. I really should be sleeping, but I wanted to thank every single person who came to our show. Can I do that? Sure. One by one. (laughs) It was so good to have everybody here, and I'm so flattered and honored that people came, and I, I think everybody had a really good time. I heard Marianne say that she was going to call up good weather in Sacramento And did we not have a beautiful weekend in Austin? Austin was was gorgeous. Perfect. And, Doug, can I talk about your secret other life and about how we went to a sports bar and everything?
1: (laughs) Sure, whatever you want. But before we do that, Pippi's talking about her and Michelle Rungren, of course, did the play What Was I Thinking? Bad Boyfriend Stories. It was in Austin for uh, six nights, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then the last Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Halloween, was the final show at 4 o'clock. Several of us went down there, us meaning the – people, I guess, what would you say, in the Todd world? The real
6: hardcore nutcases.
1: Yeah, the nut cases, And, uh, <laughs> of course, not all of us, but some of us. And it was a blast. We had a great time.
6: Well, you and had Dougie, two weeks. You thought you right. were going to be really shy and embarrassed and dislike the show, but then you liked it, right? And you're oh, yeah. not just kissing was, my butt, I right? I am still
1: embarrassed, but that's beside the point.
2: He liked it when when, uh, when Michelle gave him a special shout-out, shall we say. <laughs>
6: yeah. <laughs> Oh, my.
2: And I would, yeah, say wait, wait. Each, I would say that she did that from the stage, but she didn't. I believe she gave him that shout-out uh,
6: while she was on his lap. And I think she shouted into his belt buckle like it was a ordering box at Jack in the Box, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, could y'all make it even more embarrassing than it already was?
6: Hey, there's a DVD, buddy, and people are going to see it, including your mama.
1: <laughs> that is true. There is a DVD in there. Really? Yeah, they were filming it uh, the, night, the day we were there
6: you guys going to sell that thing? I don't know that we're going to sell it. Michelle it, it got everything, I hope, I think. I asked her it in depth. She got a lot of, of what she needed to get achieved. That was really a workshop for that show, and, and we really trimmed some fat and slapped it into shape, and I don't know that she's planning to commercially release that, DVD, but I know that I'm going to informally let my friends see it, because I'm be really proud of it. I, I think we did an amazing thing in a short period of time, because God knows, in the beginning of September, my mind was not on that show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you guys, it was great. Y'all, y'all did, everybody, I mean, I don't know the other girls in it, but and or the guy, but everybody did a great job. It was very professional, very nice, very fun. It was awesome. So it was great, and I'd love to talk about it some more, and I do want to, and maybe we can before the end of the show, but we got Ralph on, and we'll keep him on hold. All right, up. talk to Ralph. I'll talk awesome. to you
6: later. Bye, guys. Right. Have fun.
1: Love Bye. Bye. All right. That's our resident psycho from Austin, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good play. We had a good time. but Yeah,
0: uh, um, that was the play that uh, Michelle directed or wrote or?
1: Well, I don't know if she wrote it. She, I don't know. How, what, she, what adapted she adapted it. Oh, she adapted it. Yeah, it was different huh. stories from different people. I think some of the stories might have been hers, but there were like, I don't know, eight, eight or so, nine maybe scenes. They were each different stories and they had different actresses that would tell the story and you know, she put it together. So who was
0: just on the phone?
1: That was Chris from Austin, we call her Pippi and she was <laughs> she was in uh you know uh Michelle's she was in the time on that. Yeah, and she was in the play as well. Uh so, ah. yeah. They were running buddies for a month, I guess. Put I get together. you Hyde Park Theater in Austin, Texas. Yeah, it was it was pretty wild. Yeah. It was fun. Mm-hmm. Hi Ralph, sure. how are you doing? Hey, well,
0: hey, well. hey Mel, <laughs> I'm assuming that's who you are.
2: Yes, welcome to the show. We didn't actually introduce you properly. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm really insulted about that
2: too. Oh. <laughs> so how's it how... going? You're going to be in the A band. I'm, I assume you've started learning some of the.
0: Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm I'm doing my homework. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I have a lot of practicing to do and a lot of uh memorizing to do. But it's real it's cool because I'm you know we, it, Todd put um these tracks online um separating out the different instruments so we could learn what we did and um you can hear like before every take you could hear people fooling around and talking and um you know eating crackers and stuff and um, it was cool because it was like being in a time machine and going back to that room with all those guys. You know, I could hear all the little, you know, patter and everything.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it
0: was really, it, I remember what—I what, remember how much fun it was.
1: Back at Moogie's Park.
0: Yeah, when we did it. And uh, and I can't believe, you know, people, people let Todd get away with this. <laughs> no, I mean, there's so much adventurous stuff on here that, uh, I mean, nowadays, it, on a major label, no one would allow, you know. They just, it would be too weird. Um, so, yeah, but I've been practicing, practicing. I got, I'm, I'm in the middle of one other project that I'm trying to finish, and then I'm going to be practicing 24 hours a day.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but
0: I'm so looking forward to the gig. I mean, I, I can't wait. It's it's going to be so much fun for me to 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 play, you know, and play in front of people.
1: Well, you haven't been a while. I know you've been doing other things, but uh, nothing quite like this, I guess.
0: uh, Yeah, I've been, most of the stuff I do is in the studio, you know, for for a really long time, you know, like 25 years or something. And uh, so I didn't really, uh, you know, I didn't really play with any human beings uh, for longer than, a couple of minutes, you know. Since then, and um, so it's going to be—it's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm going to love it. I it's wish be a blast. it was. I guess
1: you'll have some—you'll probably have friends and family checking it out.
0: Yeah, in LA, I have my family coming, and uh, I think a couple of friends. So that'll be nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't think none of them. Well, they—they've seen like. They've seen like, uh, uh, they've seen like uh, there were two or three videos of uh, of Utopia online, you know, on YouTube. But other than that, they haven't really ever seen me play outside of the house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of Utopia, and I don't want to get
1: you in trouble, so make sure you know what you're doing here when you answer this question. <laughs> I'm already about... in
0: trouble trying to learn this music, let me tell you.
1: So, Todd, what do you think about the uh, opener set outside of A wizard?
0: No, it's a secret and oh. um, um you know as of now um I'm I'm not playing on the opening set. Oh, but I'm trying to get a hold of him because I think I think he did that just cuz he didn't want to uh uh tack, you know, since I had so much to learn anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we're only going to have one rehearsal, so I think maybe I'm hoping that he did that for my benefit because I'm, I would love to play more. You know, I know when we, when the gig is over, I'll just be getting started, you know. but <laughs> he no, knew you a,
2: were coming on this show, and that's why he hasn't told you yet.
0: That's probably it. <laughs> yeah. 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 He would like those seekers to get out. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, yeah, I guess he has a different concept for it or something, maybe. I, I thought maybe... He just didn't want the rest of the guys to have to learn a whole new thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and talk him into letting me do something in the opening show. I don't know if it'll succeed, but...
1: Oh, good! <laughs>
0: yeah, all right. Well, we'll, we'll, Maybe I'll we'll do a dance or a
1: surprise. something. You can do what?
0: Maybe I'll come on stage and dance or something, you know. <laughs>
1: Just learn the uh, full icon again, and that's all, everybody.
0: Hey, yeah. Seven <laughs> rays. Yeah, so, so you guys, you guys promoted all these concerts, and do you, do you promote a lot of those, a lot of concerts, or is this your first, uh, <laughs> your first uh, event? Uh, our first rodeo. <laughs>
1: not our first what? rodeo. We we we've done a few small, smaller uh-huh. things, and then we went big with this uh, the first Bay Wizard show we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first two in Akron, and then one in Connecticut. Right, and then somebody else took over Chicago and Minnesota and Bethesda, Maryland, and we don't, of course, have anything to do with the ones overseas. Right, and we just we we made the mistake of going to Minnesota at the last minute and seeing what a great show it was, and decided we couldn't let it end, and ah. got crazy and decided to book some more, and knew that we needed to do more than one or two, so we just
0: went crazy and did four. Yeah, <laughs> so so you, are you enjoying it? Are you are, is it are you enjoying that aspect of uh, Of the music business? Uh, (laughs) I hope enjoy would be the word. It's fun, sure. I like actually going to the shows better.
1: But yeah, yeah, it's fun. There's a lot of stuff we learn, and now it seems like the the ones for California were just so ahead of the curve because we kind of know a lot of what we're supposed to be doing, what the writer looks like, and what Todd expects, and the band, and the sound, and all that kind of stuff. We've had to learn a lot, but there's still things that, you know, advertising in cities we don't know anything about is tough. Yeah. Um, venues is tough.
7: Yeah, yeah.
0: But,
1: you know. Are you uh, going to be
0: at all the shows?
1: Of course. Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, good.
1: Yeah. I know most, you know, we we hear that a lot of promoters don't even go to the shows, but we are fans slash promoters, so we will be there.
0: So you got, there's like a whole, I'm I'm noticing on Facebook there's a whole, uh, I mean, at least that I'm aware of, there's kind of a core of people that um, I see, um you know they're pretty involved in uh in Todd's you know whatever he's doing, you know they're they're really into it, and there's photographs and uh, and
2: um, what'd you say? We are the crazies
0: yeah so so but so now, have you all been doing this for
8: a long time?
1: No, and I, I think the term that Todd wants to use for that group is cultish, and I don't, not in a negative way, but the people that are into it are into it big time. And there's, yeah. there's a, it's not a you know hundreds of thousands of people, but yeah. it's a very vocal group and a very active group. And you will see a lot of the same people at all four shows. Yeah. And of course, not the complete crowd or whatever, but you'll see a good several dozen of the same people, uh-huh. and they will be having a blast. But um, we, we've been doing the radio show for a couple of years. Yeah, some of these fans go back as far as um, you know the
0: '60s and '70s.
1: Wow, brand new. <laughs> yeah. So
0: and and so, do you all like? Uh, do they all hang out? Mm, I mean, I guess they all live all over the country, right? Yeah, there's a lot of travelers, and we have
1: um, we had people. Let's see, what was it, Mel? For Akron, we had I think it was five or six different countries represented for that show, the wow. very first one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So it's um.
2: Oh, well, we already know that that there's uh, someone coming from Japan
1: to California. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we got somebody coming in from Japan, but there there are people all over the country, sure, and they'll be coming in from East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, um, all over the place. So yeah, Chicago, we got a lot of Chicago contingent this time around. We just got somebody found out from Georgia coming in. Two people uh-huh. from Georgia we know of. Um, so yeah, Good is that is pace. that
0: kind of like is that what uh, Todd's Stock was was
1: Yes, a lot of Toddstock people will be there. Toddstock had people from all all over the the world as well. They had people from Japan and um, uh, Scotland
0: and New Zealand. It was it was pretty wild. And, and they, what what was it exactly? Because I don't know the details about it. I mean, oh, not know I, about
1: Toddstock? Okay.
0: Well, I mean, I know just that he invited a bunch of people to camp out at his place or something. Yes, exactly. It was exactly. to
2: celebrate his 60th birthday
0: oh yeah and so like so how many people showed up
1: oh gosh so i think it was around 400 300 400 something like that several wow. hundred and they camped out on this property Has a big piece of property in, in hawaii and they did a, a concert the final night it was the first ever uh arena show the new album he has ah. the first time he'd ever played it so the band was there and yeah it was pretty wild probably would have been a lot more people if it wasn't in Hawaii. It was very expensive at that time of year to get yeah. out there. And this uh, but was that what, a it? lot of people and it was a great group and you know, there were no problems. It was nice. This was last year or
0: uh the last summer late. summer before
1: last summer. Oh yeah.
0: Two thousand and seven, yeah. Yeah, yeah so,
2: and everybody went for like a whole week and some people went for longer and
0: Wow, that must have helped. been amazing.
2: Yeah, the people all helped build a couple of Tiki bars there on the property, uh-huh. and um, well, what else they had? Oh, they had a little swimming pool that that somebody built or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was amazing. It was it was quite a community.
0: Yeah, I bet it wasn't. Uh, I I, I'm, I can see like just from what I've seen on Facebook, and I I only go on there. I, I mean, hardly ever. Go on there. I have been recently because of this, but um, um, people have. There's a lot of interesting people who have interesting professions, and and they're people from all over, and they seem they keep writing to me, which is really nice. You know, I I had no idea that anybody really knew who I was. You know, you kidding? Uh, Utopia fans are hardcore as well. Nicky
1: Nichols yeah. was there for Todd Stock. I don't know if he really. Know. Yeah, Nicky was there. Wow. For his yeah, was, he's uh, a great yeah. guy. I love him. Uh, Frog Labot's ex-wife was there. Um, oh, you know, I, uh, the the, you know. the Asian oh, lady. Yes, uh huh, Elon, and uh, Bobby that? Strickland, who is going to be in the band with you. And yeah, yeah. He was there.
8: Yeah, it was yeah. good stuff,
1: man. It's 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 uh it's really very hard to describe, but it was a very special time. That's for sure. And the people that went, you know. I'll never forget it.
0: I can promise you that. That must have been amazing. I I, I can't. I, you know, every I've been immersing myself in all of Todd's music lately, and and I just this guy should be like the biggest star in the world. You know, he's he's just so. His stuff is so classic and so um, uh, unpredictable and so well done and every aspect of it is so excellent you know and and it's so the the lyrics are great and he's really soulful and sincere and the melodies are great and you know it's uh um you know I keep thinking god I wish I I had a, a my own tv sh- network tv show or something I'd, I'd have him go on there <laughs> you know but um I mean I know he's got he's got a lot of fans but a lot of people um, especially younger people don't uh, don't even haven't even heard his name and uh a lot of my friends who are you know in their twenties or early thirties um you know they don't know who he is and and a lot of them are musicians and i know they they would just they would just love his music i i made a i made a c d for a couple of friends of mine uh, of my favorite stuff, you know it wasn't even my favorite stuff. I just I just picked, I picked out a bunch of songs, you know, and, and put them on CD for people.
3: And they're loving
0: it, you know, and they 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 wish, you know, they, they keep saying, where's this guy been, man? This guy is really amazing.
1: Yeah, it's 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 a story we talk about a lot here. We can't figure yeah. it out, and a lot of the masses haven't caught on with it, and there's all kinds of different theories, but I don't think anybody listening will disagree with you on that at all. And, you know, part of the deal, I don't know.
0: Maybe you know, he didn't, he's maybe, not interested in that also.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it's the Hall of Fame, of course, hasn't done much, uh, yeah. you know, to help that situation. Considering all the, the things he's done on his resume, you would think he would at least get a nomination at one point. And uh, he was there, actually, for uh, to sign autographs. They, they did put a display of him up there while we were in Akron, Ohio, for those gigs. And they said he had the biggest crowd that they've ever seen.
0: Um, at, where was this? At the this uh, was at the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, to get huh. his autograph.
1: There were several hundred people there.
0: Huh. But
1: you know, it's like a, it's. And it's, they
0: still haven't even nominated him. No, no. Who's in charge of that anyway? <laughs> a small uh, group of people.
1: Hun, uh, what's his last name, Mel? I want to say okay. Wiener, but that's kind of <laughs> Weiner. W E N N uh, E oh, R.
0: Well, oh, Jan Weiner.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Oh, the uh, the publisher of Rolling Stone.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: I don't know if he still is a publisher of that, but so he the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is his thing. Yes, mm-hmm. I I see.
1: Yeah, so they've had some weird. I don't understand. I don't. They I wish they would just call it like the the Popular Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, a lot of people in it aren't rock and rollers necessarily. Yeah, somebody would start a separate one for that, or you know, have a pop Hall of Fame, a rock Hall of Fame, a country Hall of Fame, because you know they had. Madonna's um, not rock and roll, for example. I wouldn't say right. Donna, sure, Donna's not rock and roll. Um, yeah, but there's lots of bands. You know, the Cars aren't in it. Uh, uh-huh. Kind of shocked by some of the deals. The people, you know, that don't get nominated. There was actually like, two years ago, they nominated this band called uh, Chic, who had Schick. one hit song Schick. called La Freak. Oh,
0: Chic! Yeah, yeah, Chic.
1: Yeah, I call it. Is it Chic? What is it? Crazy tell telling Chic. Is it Chic? Yeah, yeah, Sheik. Or Chic. Yeah, I'm terrible with these kind of things. But um, <laughs> yeah, La Freak. That song.
0: Yeah, I know that song. I, I I know all the people in that band and and the singers. And uh, in fact, when I met my wa- the day I met my wife, she was she was uh, she's a singer. Well, she doesn't do it anymore, but she's directing plays now. But she uh, um, she was a singer songwriter, and she had three albums out on different on RCA and uh, Capitol. But wh- when I met her. She was in a rehearsal and she was singing with, um, there was a couple other background singers with her and they were the girls from Chic. They were the two singers from Chic where my wife was singing with them in somebody's band. I can't remember who, but it's funny. I met them at the same time. Yeah. Well, but, they're uh, yeah, hell. they're not rock and roll at all. No. You know, it's kind of like high school, you know. I think there's like an there's an in-crowd, you know, I don't know who they are or what makes them, you know, any better than anybody else, but there're just certain, I guess, cliques of people that um make, you know, that that um know each other and occasionally they let somebody else in, you know. And their standards I'm not sure what their standards are for membership, you know, but mm-hmm. that's what it seems like to me, you know. There there's there's a bunch of people who are you know, who are sort of uh you know that's probably in
1: the know. Well also it's it's the on the flip side of that too, there are people that burn bridges and and get True. excluded from things like that. And I don't know what Todd's relationship is with this guy or with Rolling Stone. He's never really got a lot of appreciation in that magazine and never yeah. was on the cover, to my knowledge. So yeah. you know, there could be something there, too, where he's just getting blackballed versus...
0: Yeah, uh, I'm sure there... I'm not sure, but there's a good chance that I'm sure... I, I'm sure he's burned quite a few bridges, you know. <laughs> just, uh, you know, I don't say that as a criticism, but, uh-huh. you know... um. You know, when when you're young, you do a lot of stupid things. Or maybe they were. Maybe it wasn't stupid. You know, maybe it was just being honest.
1: Yeah. Who knows? All um, right. Uh, well, I've been rude. I've had a call on home for a while. So if you don't mind, I'm gonna take this call right quick. Sure. And we'll uh, see what we got from area code seven seven three. Should I
0: hang? Should I stay on? No, that's
1: for you. Yeah, they're gonna to talk to you. I think.
7: Oh, Seven seven three. You with us? Yes. Uh, Chris Williams from well, normally from Kansas City, we I'm from Chicago at the moment. <laughs> Hey, man. <laughs> yeah. You can't be from two places, man. you got to well, choose. Well, yeah, actually, I split my time between both. Oh. But, uh, anyway, a um, couple things. One, uh, the uh, from what I understand in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Jan Winner has essentially a veto. So they supply a list, right? This big panel supplies a list, and then Winner can basically strike anybody that he likes. So, really? Anyway, that, yeah. So I read that uh, basically there was an expose about that. Huh. In another magazine. I think it was Spy a number of years ago, and they had said that uh, that's what went on from somebody who participated on the panel. Huh. So, who knows? Todd may have been on the first cut at one point and uh-huh. got chopped because of some personal peak. <laughs> yeah, I've, well, I've heard of that
0: happening with Jan Wenner a few other times, too, yeah. actually, so in yeah. other <laughs> situations. So, it's yeah. a good chance it's. That's what it is.
7: I appreciate his magazine, no doubt. And the yeah, one. yeah. But uh, you know, just uh, he, he <laughs> I think you know, it should uh, it should be an independent body, and he shouldn't have that ability to uh, strike it. But uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, um, time
0: will tell. It's it's you know, it's like when you listen to music from fifty years ago or a hundred years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the stuff that's the classics. You know, are the things that are high quality and memorable and universal and timeless and um, you know they're un- they they're, they stand the test of time and people you know with every gener ev- there's people in every generation that appreciate them and buy the buy the music and listen to it and um, I, to me that's sort of like the test of something. There's plenty of Um, artists that had big huge records in the 30s or the 20s or the 40s or 50s you know that um, nobody remembers you know there's plenty of one-hit wonders and there's a lot of novelty records that were big and dance records and stuff but the stuff that people remember is the stuff that i guess it has a timeless quality to it Mm
7: -hmm. and that's
0: what todd's stuff todd's music
7: it has you know well, if you read the British music press currently, mm-hmm. uh, Todd gets name-checked by a lot of uh, electronica.
0: What does a that mean, name-checked?
7: I mean uh, that he is cited as an influence.
0: Oh, oh Todd, yeah yeah.
7: On a, a lot of the young kids who are doing you know uh, you know synthesizer stuff, especially yeah. if they're using you know classic synthesizers. Right which is something is completely lost on me because uh I've dealt with some of those old machines they are cantankerous and uh Oh yeah. You know. And yeah. you know, given that you can get the exact same sound in a plug-in. Uh, right. <laughs> but, but, th- uh, but
0: but that's not as cool,
7: man. <laughs> yeah, you get I mean it's like you'll see somebody and they've got a uh you know a, a Moog model was it the 55 the really big one mm-hmm. and you know just patch cords and they're scrambling like My- Michael Cotton of the Tubes, re- repatching stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I guess it just, you know. Well, the real hardcore.
0: I'm sorry to, to interrupt. Yeah, no, please. The real hardcore, uh, the real hardcore uh, vintage guys insist there's there's a, a real difference <laughs> in sound, and I'm sure there is, but it's not um, appreciable to most people. You know.
7: Where, where do you stand on that? i mean do you bother to maintain your old instruments or do you You uh, know if
0: i i wish i did i i sold a bunch of them about maybe i don't know seven years ago or something because i and i sold i had a whole bunch of them and uh i sold them all because i didn't have any place to put them and uh and i wish i would have kept them but i you know i would have had to get storage or something for them i mean they wouldn't fit in my studio there were so many of them and and uh, there's
7: a lot of work just maintaining them you know
4: yeah really you
0: know they're finicky they're really finicky and of course some people have retrofitted them and and those are supposed to be much more reliable um but yeah, it's funny the day after the day after i sold them all to this guy and the day after i woke up in the morning I, I called him and said, I changed my mind, you know, and he said, sorry. <laughs> uh, I said, I figured you'd say that, you know, but he, he, he was a tinkerer, though. He liked to open them up and mess around with them and stuff. It was kind of a hobby for him, so.
7: Any, any real jewels that you sold?
0: Um, well, I really liked, uh, are you a keyboard player?
7: Um, I don't play, but I, I mean, I saw Roger Powell demoing for ARP back in the day.
0: Oh yeah,
7: uh-huh. fascinated by synthesizers. You know, yeah. I first ran across them.
0: Yeah. Well, I yeah, I had um, I had a Mini Moog and a a um, a Memory Moog and a Prophet 10. I had. I was one of the few people out of oh. Prophet 10, which mm-hmm. for the, all those who don't know what that is, it has two keyboards and it's um, so you can play two different sounds at once, polyphonically, and uh, it's it was a it was very heavy to carry around and it was always always uh going out of order but it did sound great and then um i had a uh, a juno uh roland juno i forget what 80 i guess yeah 80 is that that's i don't know there's one of them that was one of the early ones and sounds really fat and it's very simple to use it's it's really um it's um, you know it doesn't have too many variables, doesn't have too many choices and um, I really loved that. I kind of missed that one. I used to it on a lot of records um, but uh, yeah, so you know I have friends who are um, you know professional musicians who have warehouses full of that stuff you know I, I know one guy's got about uh, five or six Hammond B3s. You know, and other other big organs like that. You know, um, you know, nice. a, he has he has he's in a band and the rehearsal studio uh, is a big warehouse and um, they own it. So he just every time he sees somebody selling something cool, he he buys it and just puts it away. You know, for posterity, I guess. He uses he uses them on records and stuff, though.
7: Well, I don't know if you knew this. Uh, Todd's last album, Arena, uh, he produced it entirely on a laptop.
0: Uh, I didn't know that, but I believe it.
7: Yeah, sounds he had a great laptop, too. La- a laptop, a uh, a USB-based uh, microphone, uh-huh. and that was it—one mic and a laptop. Wow! And everything else was uh, was virtual instruments or virtual uh-huh. processing. So yeah, you know. I mean a lot of people that's odd. what a lot of people are
0: doing that now. Uh
2: mm-hmm. so what what will you be taking on the road for these AWK gigs?
0: Um I have requested um um I think I'm going to have the same thing Roger had which was a uh, a Nord I think it's called a Nord Lead no not Nord Lead but it's it's a Nord keyboard which is really cool. Um, but it it doesn't have a, a weighted action. The the keys don't feel like a piano. They feel more like um, they're they're really they they go down really. They have no weight to them, and uh, I found out that I'm going to be playing mostly piano parts, and so I wanted to have a weighted uh, weighted keyboard like I have at home, and um, so that's what I'm. I think they're going to get me the the uh, the uh, production company has one and so they're going to get me the same kind of have at home and then I'm going to uh, cuz I have to you know I don't know if this is interesting for anybody who's listening uh, I
2: you got you got a bunch of keyboard players in the chat room that are listening so Oh
0: okay <laughs> um but uh, you know that is particularly that album um everything runs together so there's no time to really change your sounds, you know, and um uh so I'm going to program the whole show on my keyboard and then just save it to a flash drive. By the whole show, I mean all the sounds I use. Yeah. Yeah. So every time so when every time a song changes I can just hit a a foot switch or a button and it'll be the next song and I don't have to fool around with, you know, changing the sounds, you know. Mhm. Um
2: I know, I remember watching uh Greg Hawks. Uh, uh, the uh the other key player in Yeah, yeah. and I'm a fan. He was busy as hell the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Always switching something or making <clears throat> some weird sound and all that. So
0: Yeah, I saw the new awesome. cars in concert and uh you know, they blew me away. I I was it was such a great show. Mm-hmm. And he was impeccable, you know. And and he was one of the He's a real um you know synthesizer pioneer. I mean, he's he he's I'm sure what did you call it? A checklist or something? A um I don't know. The Sorry? the he was an I'm sure he was an influence on a lot of oh, oh, yeah,
7: material. Name check.
0: Name check. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um and he uh yeah, but he 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 was he did some really inventive stuff with that band. And it was all really hooky and memorable and um, clever, and you know the sounds were just perfect for what was going on for the you know for the band.
2: Well, now they, I believe he he for the A Watch shows was using some vintage equipment. Chris, am I right?
7: Um, for the A Watch shows, I think, I he think was. so. I thought I thought it was mo- almost all modern modern uh,
8: keyboards. I don't well, know. I'm I remember
1: he. One of the reasons he brought Greg in was because of some of the old stuff he had kept.
8: So uh-huh. there, there
1: were seven, I believe it was seven different keyboards that were used. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 something else. And I, I think he had a couple of old school things that, that that they needed for some of the odd sounds that, you know, probably aren't typical anymore on the album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it may have been pre-recorded, too. I,
7: I don't know. It mind. could have been, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of old school, what did you play back in your Utopia days on stage? Boy, I don't even remember. Um I think on the cover of Another Live you're playing an RMI keyboard computer.
0: Uh,
7: yeah. N- actually no, I didn't I played some of that on um on
0: this record actually. I played some RMI and Moogie played some of it too. But on stage I played I played a uh a Hammond organ and uh a clavinet, Honer Clavinet and um else i had a couple other things i think i had an analog synth i can't remember what kind it was it might it might have been oh, i can't remember i might have even been hooked up to frog stuff or something or rod i don't i don't really remember it was something we oh, might
7: have been processing it or something
0: maybe i don't know it was something todd you know it, it, it belonged to todd and uh in fact, I didn't even learn how to use that kind of stuff until years later. Um, you know, I guess I just was lazy or
3: something. I don't know.
0: Um, but uh, we
3: got, got someone in our chat
1: game. room says you play the Yamaha YC45 organ on another line. A keyboard, is Tommy Z says Does that. That rang a bell. Oh, Tommy. Uh,
0: yeah, I did play. <laughs> I did play a Yamaha organ with, I, I, I mean, I will I believe him if that's what he said, <laughs> you know, he knows, you know, he's the guy, he, actually, he and Roger really helped me out for this gig, because they both had charts for all these songs, you know, they both had written music for all these songs, which saved me a lot of time, mm-hmm. um, uh, Actually, they didn't have it for all the songs, but maybe about half of the songs.
1: Well, have you seen any video or heard any of the live stuff?
0: Of this concert? Yeah. Uh-huh. No, I guess I should, shouldn't I? Yeah. No. Um, is there a video that has the whole show somewhere? or are There they might just... be. Uh,
1: I will email you and we'll discuss.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be a real good idea for me to see
1: that. I don't been mean to do that anyway, because yeah yeah it would be good to kind of see how the stage is set up and what all they do. Yeah. And, then, uh, of course, you know, if you have a, a video, you have a audio as well. and
5: Yeah. Here.
1: But I, I tell you, I, I was, I'm not, a, a, you know, the expert on it, couldn't write a review, but I, I thought the sound that they got about as close as you could humanly get to uh, uh, duplicating the sound of the album. I uh-huh. Was wonderful.
8: Yeah, yeah. And there's
1: all kind of stuff. I think it was... How many instruments did they say Bobby played? Mel was it like nineteen? No, Amazing.
2: it was like he nine. plays
1: keyboards too. Well, yep, yeah, Bobby I think
2: played, he played, played about
0: nine, nine. No, it's
1: more than that. You'll see him get out. He plays at one time. He plays three different sacks at the same or two different at the same time. Yep. Oh yeah, he does
0: that Roland Kirk
1: thing. Yeah, and he's got this um, flute looking deal for I think it's flamingo. I mean, he has all kind of different. Uh, instruments he plays. Well, I have to ask him, I guess, but I, I think it was more than nine. It's a lot. And a kazoo. Yeah, yeah, kazoo. I mean, it's it's,
0: gr- it's great to have somebody like that in the band, as it's kind of like the utility player on a baseball team, you know. Yeah, the,
1: the percussionist, <laughs> as we learned. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, w- I do want to study all that stuff. You know, I've been just concentrating on making sure that I have all the the form of all the songs. And I've been concentrating on just getting my fingers, you know, my hands working. <laughs> um, so I haven't even spent any time looking at the videos. I, I should really do that. But, I'm, um, you know, I've just been like saying, oh, my God, i got to learn how to play the piano again, you know. <laughs> but um, um, it'll be fine. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Do you think? will you be singing Yeah, I'm going to be singing. I used to do all the real the high falsetto parts which I guess I'm expected to do now. Um I haven't really sung much since then, but uh I, once I get the keyboard parts down, I'm going to start practicing singing the the ones that I remember or that can pick out from the record. But um yeah. he's going to have to be a, the people are going to have to be a little forgiving for some of those parts.
2: <laughs> you do have your hands full. I know when when you were on uh, on the show what about a year ago, you were talking about writing music for for television shows, and you said that mm-hmm. you know you're really busy during television season. And I'm yeah. wondering when, when is television season? Are,
8: is well, that-
0: typically it's um, it starts around August, because most. Most new shows come out in the fall, I guess, like September, November. For me, I mean, because I I, I do a lot of animation work, and so typically we start working on new shows um, in August, like the beginning of August, and then it goes through. um, Well, could it could go until June? um, Although some of the shows I work on, they don't have a budget for that much original music so they just do they might do eight or ten weeks eight or ten episodes worth and then they end up editing that all together for all the for the rest of the shows
2: so i guess i'm asking are you currently still in your busy season
0: you know i'm not because um... the company that i do most of my work for um, they're not doing too well now i think they're going to be sold i think they're for sale anyway so they don't have any new shows coming up, and um, which in, in this case I'm yeah, I'm glad of, so I can do this because I wouldn't be able to I wouldn't be able to play with Todd if I had to do that. I mean, I'd have to choose. You know, I wouldn't be able to do both. Mm-hmm. And um, so this kind of um, it happened. What do they say, fortuitously? Um, I am doing another project that I have to get somebody to actually i found somebody to split it with me cuz my wife's directing a a play and i was in charge of the music for that and um and it's quite a bit of music um but i just found somebody who can share the the job with me and that doesn't isn't supposed to open till like the m- middle of january so um that kind of took a load off my mind when i found somebody to help me with it
8: <laughs> yeah
0: and uh yeah, but no if anyone has any TV shows they want me to write for after after this tour, <laughs> I'm 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 available.
2: <laughs> well, do you know are you are you slated to go to the European?
0: Yes. Tourist? Yeah. That's going to be wonderful.
2: Oh, you are. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm uh uh I'm really looking forward to that i haven't been been over there in a few years, and you know anything in Europe is good, you know <laughs> you know i mean except for the prices, yeah, but just being with all in all those places where everything's really old is always a real magical experience
1: yeah hey uh we got we got another caller chris you you got anything else
7: no except uh well. Hey, have you got the URL for uh, where Todd put those? Uh,
3: <laughs> broke down all the uh the, the tracks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: I do. I don't know if I'm. A, I'm not uh, supposed to give that to anyone, though. Yeah, I don't kidding. think so. There, because <laughs> um, you can't. I, you can't. I can't, I can't. You can't download any of them
7: because
0: uh. I tried that. But um, <laughs> <laughs> so you have to. I
7: try Chris. You oh, to, well, <laughs> you can't blame me for trying. No, if we we'll get it, we'll pass it on to you, man.
0: You know, I'd, I'd be happy know. to give it to you, but I don't know if he would like that. I, I don't know what the policy is. I can find out, though.
7: We don't want to get tired. Well, I just, I just think it's wonderful because that's the next step uh, towards having a surround sound mix of mm. huh. So if he's he's done that and he's broken it all apart, then he can just go in and make a surround sound mix, because the surround sound mix he made for Liars was amazing. Um, oh, really?
0: I didn't even hear that. I mean, I have the album, but I didn't hear a surround sound.
7: If, if you haven't heard the surround sound mix, you truly have not heard that album. It's, really? It, it's as adventurous as anything he's ever done, um, huh. and it's just wonderful. Wow. So, I love the album. I mean, in fact, uh, the,
0: those... The songs on that album, the lyrics of that album are just so true to life and so um, uh, just spot on, you know. It's like a great novel or something. You know, some people, you know, sometimes you'll read a great novel and at the end of the book you go, wow, you know, you feel like you really had this amazing experience. And Todd's lyrics are like that, too. I mean, they all especially uh, the, these recent ones, you know. Um, I loved uh, uh, Second Wind and Nearly Human and, uh, well, all of them. I mean, you know, Arena's got some great lyrics.
7: Todd and Pete Townsend are pretty much the only rock stars who figured out how to grow old gracefully.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Todd seems like keeps getting better mm-hmm. to me. Um, you know, he... he. Uh, he's a real um, accomplished, not accomplished, but he he sings his ass off. You know, he's just really become a real strong singer. And like, if you listen to his first album, uh, like The Runt, or or even the second one, um, I forget. Ballad? Yeah, yeah. um, um, You know, he sounds kind of tentative on those records in a lot of places. It's still like, it's a charming sound, um, but he sounds like he's just sort of like getting his feet wet, you know. And then um, when I played with him, he started, especially when we toured, he started trying out a lot of different things. And after the first Utopia tour, he was singing really great, you know. And then, But now hes it's almost like he's, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but he's kind of really come into himself, sort of.
1: Come into his own.
0: Come into his own, yeah.
1: Yeah, maybe. All right, all right, Chris. Hey, man, appreciate the call. Thanks again. Thank you. All right, buddy. See you, man. Bye-bye. Chris in Kansas City slash Chicago. All right, so we have been rude again. 617, you're with us.
8: Hello, uh, this is Bill Shalom. Hey, Bill. Sorry for the wait, man. Oh, no problem. This is uh, interesting to listen to. Um, when something, anything came out, my first chance to see Todd after that was at the Spectrum and he opened up for um, Jeff Beck with the Hello People as his backup band and then when The Wizard came out, my first chance to see him was at Valley Forge Pennsylvania with uh, I don't, it, wasn't, it wasn't Bill as Utopia, it was, it was just built as Todd and it was actually um, Moogie and the Rhythm Kings I guess but, um, and that was with uh, Ralph in the band. And uh, people, the audience hadn't made the transition between the two people, you know, the Something Anything Todd and the Wizard Todd. And people walked out in droves. And uh, I, I was wondering if Ralph remembers experiences like that back then. Hello?
1: Hello, Ralph. Uh, Hello? Hello? <coughs> Did we lose Ralph? Uh, hold on. I think we muted him. Ralph, you there?
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. Somehow you got muted. That's weird.
0: Uh, How dare you mute me?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't intentional. (laughs) Hey, you're the one who invited me, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) I think it was Melinda. I'm gonna blame her. No. Um, maybe I don't know maybe when I was meeting Chris, it just yeah that's well yeah, I mean that's what
0: it was I mean, right. that's a real powerful feeling to be able to mute people man <laughs> <laughs> is, is
1: Chris seven seven three is that you Chris yeah, okay, that's what it was I mean so, what so
0: what was the name of the venue that that happened it was't it, was
8: it was in Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, it was a place in the round, oh yeah, was, I
0: remember that
5: place the told...
8: and the the audience hadn't made a transition from something anything, Todd to the wizard Todd and, uh, the audience was there to hear, um, you know, hello, it's me. And right. droy And they walked out in droves. Really? And it was, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you remember experiences like that of the audience, not, you know, having made that transition. Um, I don't remember that gig. I remember, I, I
0: played, I remember I played there with other people. I, um, I played there with Lou Reed, I know. I, rem- I remember that gig, but we won't get into it. But, uh, so I was
8: wondering if I it was, like, a, like,
0: if Todd, it was like, um, I'm sorry.
8: I was wondering, like, when Bill won Electric, the audience booed him. And, and I was, I'm wondering if it was a similar experience with, with Todd, mm-hmm. like the transition between something-anything to Wizard and people not catching up, the audience not catching up at that point in time.
0: You know, I don't remember any specific instances where that happened. I remember audiences being really appreciative. But um, I remember, let's see, when we went on the, was it the midnight special? Or when we went on a network TV show um, right after something, anything Um and we went on with our utopia costumes, and Todd was uh, right.
8: exactly the makeup and the sound yeah, 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 and
0: so <laughs> and i I don't remember I just remember some people in the band saying, "Oh my God, what the hell is he doing this for? People aren't expecting this, he's going to lose a lot of you know a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people tried to talk him out of doing that, and
8: well, that was the whole Nicky DeBacle, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the guy who did the costumes. Nikki Nichols.
0: Nikki Nichols. Yeah,
8: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I wouldn't consider it a debacle, but um, it's actually—I mean, it, it was a kind of a pain to wash that stuff off every night, but um, but Nikki was really great to have around on the road. Let me tell you, because he—he's a very uh, smart, supportive person, and he—he he really helped the band out in so many ways. But um so for us it wasn't a debacle, but it was kind of embarrassing when our jazz musician friends would come to the gig, you know. Uh I remember I had this I had this um I had a friend who was who's like a really well known jazz player and he came to to the gig, I think it was at Carnegie Hall, and he came backstage, and I was just really embarrassed, you know. And then um, he played with the Saturday Night Live band, and a few weeks later, and he was making fun of me, and then a few weeks later I saw him playing with the Saturday Night Live band, dressed as a nurse, you know, with a white dress on and a nurse's cap. <laughs> You know, as part of some skit he was doing. So then I got retribution. He got retribution. Um, but um, yeah, I, I'm sure it alienated some people. You know, I mean, well,
8: it's just, it's just that the audience hadn't made the transition. Yeah, so, I now. mean,
0: in my experience in the record business, and I'm talking mainly about major labels. Um, and I, I mean, I've worked. You know, I worked for Columbia for four years. Um, and their whole philosophy, and I think probably all those labels were like this, all the big all the major labels. Um, their well, philosophy was you start out with something and you don 't change it, and you build a fan base um, based on whatever style or sound you have and if you have a hit song. Um, or even if you you start to get some notoriety you you keep whatever you keep your scope really narrow and you do your one thing and then eventually after five or six albums then you could branch out um, and and try some new things and you might bring a lot of people with you or they might they might be disappointed um, but that was what that basically that's what every record company wanted and so what Todd did was you know the opposite of that, and which which I, I I give him a lot of credit for. He he's good at a lot of different things, and he he likes a lot of different kinds of music, and he has a varied influences. So he wasn't afraid to do a song like like on this record, uh, uh like a song like Does anybody love you? And then but then to do a song like Is it my name? Which is just super, just rocking out, really great. Um, and nowadays like I mean you couldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't let you do that a record company wouldn't let you do that and as a matter of fact I think a lot of music fans nowadays younger ones um, have been marketed to in such a um, in such a a limited way that they just kind of judge people based on you know they, they judge people based on what the, what their thing is like like my son loves speed metal and really super aggressive music so to him and his friends like anything else is lame you know it could be you know it could be something that's just really amazing and they won't even listen to it they might listen to the intro of one song but they just they already know they don't like it because um it's not their kind of thing it's not what they what they feel represents them you know that that that's true for their lives and a a lot of people are like that nowadays you know and it's really a shame because uh and record companies have always discouraged eclecticism from from an artist they've always discouraged that and rock critics discourage that too rock most rock critics really hate that you know and so somebody could come out with uh a new record um, that's brilliant, but it's a real departure from what their their hit record was or their first record was, and people just rip them apart. You know, who's he trying to be? What is, you know? And it's it's so ridiculous. It's it's. I mean, I guess it's human nature, but it's what happens when people don't get the full picture of something and they. And they have narrow, narrow. People are narrow-minded and afraid to to try new things, especially kids. You know, like high school kids. I mean, they just want to do what is cool for their them and their friends. Whatever you know, whatever click they're in. You know, and and they're afraid to try. You know, um, try new stuff. Most of them.
2: It's just it's so it's so sad because that's. Well, this is my opinion and I imagine most people listening to this show everything that Todd comes out with it's there's so much variety that you just you just wait for the next thing what's he going to do the next Yeah,
0: thing? you never get bored.
2: Yeah, yeah it's I know. I never mean never
0: boring. There's not one song that's boring.
2: It's I mean try to listen to more than one Hootie and the Blowfish album. Yeah, oh, I know. I'd
0: well, rather not if you don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that that's every what
2: one of their songs sounds like the one you just heard and I, I just don't understand how people just don't get it
0: yeah i you know when i worked at the record company i mean i just saw that so much and i mean it's for every record company i mean my wife had several major record deals and i've been in bands that have been signed and you know had fairly popular records and Um, just you're just not allowed to be eclectic it's a kiss of death you know that's what they tell you and um because people who like metal music hate wimpy pop music and people who like relaxing calming uh you know pretty melodic pop music don't want to hear heavy metal because it doesn't have you know it's doesn't have the same utility in their life they they want to put on hello it's me when they when they're when they want to relax you know they, they'll put on that or james taylor or carol king or somebody and they feel warm and relaxed and whatever you know troubles they had during the day are being soothed and the last thing they want is for like a rocking guitar track to come out come you know blasting in you know and and it's the same with uh you know um aggressive rock fans i i I was um reading um you know like a good example of somebody who i guess did sort of follow that the the correct record company path but in a good way is the chili peppers um because their first few albums were all kind of you know really raw and aggressive and um um, you know, kind of punky, and um, and they sort of gradually started getting into um, more creative or, or just different, more melodic music, more yeah. poppy music. And as it turns out, they kept selling more and more and more records. I mean, U two did that too. You know, they were pretty raw in their first two or three albums, um, but they waited till they were big enough so that people would accept it and I and like I uh I was on I was in um the iTunes store and I was um when uh, the Chili Peppers last record came out I forget the name of it but it's, I think it's a double album it has a lot of really good songs on it and um I mean these people were you know I was reading some of the fans reviews and these people were saying you know a lot of people loved the, the new stuff a lot of people saying, ah, oh, they sold out, they're a bunch of fucking wimps, you know. How could they, you know, how could they disgrace themselves by, you know. And there's a lot of people like that, you know. There's a lot of narrow-minded people in the world. And uh, it's too complicated for them to appreciate uh, different kinds of things, you know. But I would, be, I would bet that most of Todd's fans like lots of different kinds of music um
2: oh i think i think they do i think we do
0: (laughs) and most and most most kind of intelligent people i guess that i know you know like a lot of different kinds of things and they they sort of research stuff like and i know a lot of young musicians who are like this too you know I, i work with a lot of young players and singers and stuff and i mean some of them don't know anything about anything but you know like there's one guy i'm working with now and he i think he's 24 and he would uh you know hear a record i don't remember what and then he'd read an, somebody's interview who did the record and then that person might mention oh well i was really influenced by so-and-so you know david bowie or whatever and so then he'd go and he'd buy some david bowie records of buy some david bowie songs and he'd get really interested in that you know and then he'd read that david bowie was interested and in somebody was influenced by somebody else and so then he'd like listen to that stuff and he'd just, he just and that's what my friends and i all did i mean every guy in in the utopia band i mean they're they were like a musically hit bunch you know i mean we we were into every good kind of music you know and um it's just sad that nobody, that people can't appreciate some really good stuff. But um, yeah. I actually had it's a there's a funny story, but maybe it'll be. I think it's too long to say on to say <laughs> on the show. I'll tell you when I meet you. <laughs> Sounds
1: good. We'll have plenty of time. I hope. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Hey, um, let's see. Bill, I think Bill disappeared on us. We got another call from area code nine one two.
0: You're with us.
9: Hi, it's Cindy K.
1: Mills.
9: Hey, and Cindy K.
0: Mills. I know you.
9: <laughs> yes, you do. How are you, Ralph?
0: <laughs> I'm good. Thank you for all those uh warm and welcoming uh messages
9: well i I felt like you needed to uh, form a formal welcome from the, I was speaking for everybody welcoming you to the adventure of a <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's an adventure. <laughs> all
9: right. It's
0: kind of a hair raising adventure at the moment, but it'll get better.
9: <laughs> well, well, we're all looking forward to seeing um seeing it happen again.
0: Oh, me so too. I'm I so just, I'm so psyched.
9: I just wanted to say hi. I didn't know if you could um understand the southern um this Georgia Peach girl from <laughs> from way down south, but um I've been you know, down well, south many times. You
3: know,
9: Good. Well, you know, talk about narrow-minded people and their music. And I hate yeah. to say it because I'm a, some of my friends might might my, my, my make mad right now. But I talked to lots of people about the order of the A songs. Um, and when I had heard Todd on Roman Radio say that had he been able to produce it, you know, on um, you know CD as you can now, not VLP where you have to you know flip it over. Uh-huh. That he may have done it totally differently yeah and to a lot of people that just really freaked them out because I, I said one time I said I hope he does it in the order he thinks it should be done in which Yeah. a lot of people didn't like that though <laughs> but guess yeah. what he did it in the order he thought it should be done in and I was very very bright. I was happy I or you
7: mean you thought
0: he was going to do the concert in a different order
9: the song's in a different order. Of course, yeah, the first, I see what nine, you mean. first first nine songs were the same, okay? But then then he started flipping it up, and it made it it made it made very interesting. So I, I'm sure you already know that, though. <laughs>
0: no, you know, I don't know that. And actually, I, I've got to talk to him because if he's planning on doing that, I'd like to know because I'm kind of, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be a surprise no matter well, what. When, I'm when trying to hear- sort of learn them in, in the order of the record.
9: I don't know how he's done all the others. He may not have even done them all in the same order. But I thought it was very interesting because, you know, everybody has their own um, expectations of musicians, and if they ever fall short or vary from that, you know, it, it's, uh, it's pretty hard, isn't it? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah,
9: yeah. Well, I've been looking yeah. at some stuff, and just one quick question, if you can answer it quickly. What is Peanut Butter Conspiracy?
0: Oh, that was a, a band that was one of the first um, West Coast psychedelic bands to get signed to a major label. And who was in and that? You were in that band. I was in that band for a short time. I wasn't in the original band. Um, I was in a different band, a couple of different bands, but um, when my other band broke up. Um, they asked me to join them, and they—they were—we all hung out together, and they were friends of mine. Um, and I guess they—they were—I think the first like, kind of super long-haired freak hippie band <laughs> um, to sign with Columbia Records, and they got a, a really big push. And it was right around the time the whole San Francisco sound was. Was just breaking right
9: out. with the airplane and
0: yeah, and there and, and and all these bands had names like that, like you know Jefferson right. Airplane, Quicksilver Messenger Service, uh, the Miller Band, you know, And so I guess that that's that's what they, you know, like recently. I guess when was it? I don't know. Like around the time u two started really hitting big for a while, like every band had a a one word name, you know. Right. And, <laughs> And that was Easier popular to
9: say it that
0: way That was popular for you know maybe it still is, I don't know, but um um so they they and I have no idea of the origin of the name, but i i still talk to those guys. It's funny um 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 mostly online, but um there's a resurgence in interest in those kind of bands. And, Definitely, uh,
9: because they new music is not like old music, and that's why when they make new music like old music, I like it. But,
0: yeah, you know. Well, that was a time when, like, when people when bands weren't they didn't copy each other. You know, they didn't copy what was a big hit. Right. Uh, and it was a, and you know, it was a time. I guess economically, it was feasible for that to happen, and. Um, so, like, you have all these bands from different different towns, and basically they would have, uh, you know, there was no guitar player magazines or electronic keyboard magazines. There and there were no interviews <laughs> with so-and-so and what kind of pick-up. Hey, but
9: most of our small towns didn't even have newspapers, but once a week. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, there you go. Yeah,
0: so good. most most bands, you know, they get together in somebody's parents' garage, They'd buy whatever equipment um, their local music store had, you know, and they'd just be creative, you know. And and, uh, I mean, and some of it, I mean, if you listen to some of it now, I mean, some of it's pretty horrible, but because there's, you know, there's all these, I don't know how many, maybe just one or two streaming stations, uh, internet streaming stations that that specialize in like uh, psychedelic rock or underground rock from the late sixties, early seventies and um I don't know if you guys ever listen to that stuff, but there's a, a whole lot of fan it has a whole lot of fans. Hmm. And um and the Conspi Peter Butter Conspiracy has a lot of fans and they have their own website and um have fans all over the world and the band I was in which is called Clear Light, somebody built a website devoted to us and we never even met the guy and he's got like uh i mean i've spoken to him now a few times He's a really great guy but he knows more about the guys in this band than we know about each other you know i mean he's got everyone's bios and you know we never even you know and uh and he sent me it's really been cool because i've reconnected with some of those guys and and uh but he sent me uh Covers of songs we did from Spain and South America and and Asia and like a band in you know I don't remember where it was Thailand or something covered one of our obscure songs you know mm. and uh, you know it's a, it's a trip and they, and they all talk to each other all these people probably like you guys yeah you know and and they just mind that the, they they just dig and dig and dig for whatever local psychedelic bands you know they can find that might have recorded something you know and and there's a lot of those bands out there and uh it's interesting and you listen to them and some of them are just horrendous you know but they're all some of them are are great and what they all have in common is none of them sound alike nobody's copying anybody um and (laughs) <laughs> they're they're not following any kind of formula whatsoever. They're they're not caring about whether it's a hit. They're just being what they think is artistic, you know. And and so it's interesting, you know, it's interesting to hear all these different different styles. Mm. Um, but that's yeah, that's a whole world um, that um, that's a whole other group of fans. So that's so the spe- uh, consp- p- peanut butter conspiracy. Um, they have a lot of fans in that world. In fact, they did their first gig in, um, you know, probably since the late 60s. They they got together and did a gig a, a few weeks ago at Amoeba Records here in LA, which is. Really? Do you know what that is?
1: Yeah, I sent them a yeah. uh, letter today.
0: <laughs> just A flyer yeah.
1: to put up for the show. <laughs> yeah. They have yeah. five shows there, a lot of famous people at that point. Yeah,
0: they had they have a and, record and store. And somebody just put out. Uh, an anthology of l a psychedelic bands and hmm. um from the sixties and peanut butter conspiracy was one of them and they had and they performed there. I think I couldn't go, cause i I can't remember, but um they sent me a video of it and uh, uh you know, and there's a lot of people there who were into them, you know young and old hmm. <laughs> wow, old
1: school you were there from sixty eight to seventy so yeah, very, yeah. Very nice.
0: well, so I, was, okay. I had a lot of fun in that band. I, we really, it was a real. Mm-hmm. We were friends, and we we just had a lot of fun. We did we did. Uh, we um we did we toured a lot in different areas around the country, and it was real low budget touring. You know, we didn't have roadies or because by that time, you know, they weren't they hadn't fulfilled the commercial promise that the record company thought they would, you know. Um mm-hmm. and so but they still were a band, so we played in, you know, roadhouses and clubs and theaters like in a lot of different places and we just drove around from town to town and it was real um it was a real like band, you know, it was like a young band situation, you know.
1: It was real. Yeah. <laughs> the young days.
0: Yeah. All right.
1: Cindy, I appreciate the call. Thanks for calling in from okay. Yeah, Cindy, I'll see you
0: uh, when I'll I see you.
1: I'll see you it. in L.A. Cool. Ventura L.A. gigs. Yeah. Uh. Coming in from Georgia.
0: Wow. I love well, it. Yeah.
1: All right. So we got a call from area code 708. You're with us, I think. Let's see, hey, phone. Doug. There you
4: go.
1: Hey, man. Well,
4: it's Rich. Uh, I talked to you last week about Park West, but... Uh, Oh, cool. But sitting yeah. down at Park West. <laughs> um you know, a uh, really interesting show tonight. I'm, I'm you know, I'm finally being able to listen to it live instead of on the treadmill on the podcast. But um I'm just sitting here making some signs up for a pharmacy for the H one N one flu shots.
0: Mm.
5: But
4: uh, uh Ralph, interesting stuff really. Um oh. I, was just, I always uh, think
0: I'm putting people to sleep.
4: No, man. It, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, people who are interested in music are interested in the behind-the-scenes stuff, you know? Yeah. I mean, all we get is the finished product, you know? Yeah. And, um, I, uh, you know, that Red Hot Chili Peppers at uh, Rick Rubin, man, he he has molded those guys into a into a killer band. I saw yeah, that, they're one of my favorites. Stadium, Stadium Arcadium. Uh, album. I saw that tour. I saw them twice on that tour, and mm-hmm. you know they're just. And you know, it, I mean, people are saying that. Well, they're not. You know, they're growing as a band.
0: You know exactly. Yeah, it's growing. I mean, I mean, mean, grow not,
4: I mean uh, and, and plus, if they kept on doing what they were doing back when they started out, they'd all be dead. You know.
0: So, <laughs> I
4: mean. This is uh, true. And you know, I mean. Uh, and, and
0: also, they'd be bored, you know?
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, if they
0: weren't dead, they'd be bored.
4: <laughs> but that Rick Rubin, man, that guy has done so much with so many bands. It's yeah, he's a great producer. I mean, uh, unbelievable. But, um, um, you know, you were talking about Todd and all the different things he's done. And I remember when he came to town for uh, the No World Order CD that he did. Um, uh,
0: uh, I don't think I have that
4: one. Well, it's, it's all compute, It's all like synthesizer and keyboards, and uh-huh. it's kind of, it, it, it's Todd's attempt, I think, at rapping also. Uh-huh. And when he came to town, WXRT is the big station here in Chicago, uh-huh. and um, he came in to do a live thing with them. And the whole idea behind this album was uh, it was interactive, where the fan could actually change the song. And they're coming out. Oh, I heard about that. To uh, to do this, right? Well, he he walked in there, and I heard him, I heard the interview in there. Like, what the hell is this stuff? What the hell is he putting out? You know, they uh-huh. you know because they're used to the regular old Todd stuff that he's done. You know, I mean, yeah, but yeah. This was really he he just swerved off the road on this one. You know, and, yeah. And, and um, you know, I don't know if. Uh, you know, it, it messed up their relationship or not, but I, you know, uh, from then on, I've never heard XRT sponsoring the shows and stuff. So, uh-huh. You know, yeah. I know. I know that you know might have ruffled some feathers or something. I I don't understand. Yeah, but, could be. I mean, I w- But You know, they didn't understand what he was trying to do either.
0: You yeah. Know? You I know, mean, it's it's funny because. Um well one thing about him is he's really fearless and um that's why uh I have a lot of respect for him um because he's a real he's a a, a consummate artist and he he does he, his stuff is he does his his stuff for he doesn't do it only for himself I mean he he knows there's an audience out there and his music it's not like it's so strange it's not accessible i mean it's all pretty you know easy to understand music but um but he's fearless about it you know and uh and he he's one of the few that tries like new things some of them work and some of them don't you know but um i'm probably every great artist uh you know does that they like to stretch you know and they like to they like to get out of their comfort zone and i think that's that's what he does a lot um i know he did that with the band when i was in the band because um you know before that he was he had been in bands and stuff but um he was kind of a shy person and he he had done most of or maybe not most but a lot of his recording by himself. I don't think when Utopia toured, I think there, he had only he had one, done one tour before that, which only lasted a few days, and they had a lot of technical problems, and so he hadn't really toured, and with a bunch of guys, you know, and um, and he hadn't had to sing every night for six, eight weeks, you know. Uh, in the winter time, when everyone had the flu, you know, and you were always getting sore throats and stuff like that, so I mean, it was a it was a deliberate, I think, a deliberate attempt on his part to get out of his comfort zone and to do something that was not natural for him, you know, um, and uh, and he's always doing stuff like that. I mean, I I, I assume he still is. Um, and you have to do an artist has to do that you know you, if you get too comfortable if there's no risk involved then you're going to get stale you know you have to like and a lot of people put themselves in situations like that are uncomfortable like that because they know it'll bring out some new you know new new stuff in their work um so that's that that's that about him but you know on the other hand um I can really understand how if somebody spends a certain amount of money on a record or a song for a specific purpose and a specific feeling they want to get at a particular time, you know, I guess, you know, you could say they have a right to demand whatever, you know, whatever they want. You know, I shouldn't really, you know what I mean, I, I don't want to, like, govern what people can and can't listen to, but... I just wish people had a little more of an open mind, but but I mean, you know, if you like folk music and that makes you feel good, you shouldn't have to be, you know, subjected to heavy metal music just because <laughs> trying to open your mind, you know. Um I just wish more people, I guess, would would give things that are different a chance at least. You know, like give the stuff a chance. And Todd's a perfect example of somebody who if he was if people would give him more of a chance, you know they'd be con- they would become converts, you know. Um, but that's just my own kind of spouting opinion. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I right, I guess. They, uh, Doug <laughs> I
0: can hear. I can hear Doug is back there going. <laughs> oh, this guy just disappeared. Oh, I, heard, I thought I heard he was going to say something. My <laughs> <Our> collar just <laughs> disappeared.
1: Yeah, he
2: got he disappeared. He I mean, he got cut off somehow.
1: Yeah, well, he hung up. I Turns think. Out. All right. Anyway, um, how much more time do we have? Of, yeah, you you huh? um, well, we have uh, 19 minutes.
8: Oh, okay.
1: Are you good?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm fine.
1: Well, I, I uh, I definitely got to get you that that uh, audio video stuff because he does change the order. And uh, I'm sure it's going to stay that way. So uh, that, that can seriously throw you off if you're learning it from the album. Uh, I'll email you. As a matter of fact, I'll email you the order.
0: And oh, terrific! That's to great. Uh, but I'll that would be great because I'm going to program my, you know, my keyboard to to be in a certain order.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if he changes it, I'll have to mess around and
1: yeah. plus, more <laughs> time yeah. to They got off one time. It was uh, in Minnesota. Uh, I don't know if it's Roger or Greg, but. Uh, I Don't Want to Tie You Down started after Cool Jerk, and it wasn't supposed to work that way. So uh, they caught it pretty quick, but it was kind of funny.
0: Oh, I see, yeah. yeah oh, actually,
2: funny. the yeah. the the best part was at the first show, Doug, mm-hmm. when the band had it correct and started playing, uh, what was it they started playing? Uh, help me here. What are you talking about? Ben Archer.
0: hmm Oh, I love and, that. Uh, Todd oh, yeah.
2: thought he was supposed to be wearing a different yeah, outfit. Head and <laughs> yeah, so they put him in
1: the wrong outfit and, and
0: like, oh. Who who was supposed to be wearing a different outfit?
1: Todd, oh, Todd. Todd. Oh, oh, oh. But yeah, you'll see on the video Oh like, he
0: does costume changes? You kidding me?
1: Yeah.
0: Ah, yeah. oh, cool. They're,
1: they're wild. You won't believe it. See, they're, you they're know he...
0: anything, let you be surprised too. <laughs> He gives his fans their money's worth. He let me tell you, he did, no doubt. He does, me. you know, and and uh, you know, like, um, you know, he cares about his fans. Definitely, he respects them, and and uh, you know, he's he's uh, he doesn't, he's never, you know, he could. When I play with him, you know, sometimes he could be kind of a snotty guy, but he he would never be that way to a fan, to somebody who liked his music. You know, I've never I never saw that happen. And um, I've seen it happen with plenty of other people, you know. But um, I just thought of another story, talk about um, uh, people's tastes and narrow mindedness and all that stuff like that. Um, do you know who Jimmy Iveen is? No. Uh, oh, well, he, he's one of the owners of Interscope Records, and he produced. Uh, uh, couple of bruce springsteen albums and um um u2 albums and tom petty and Patti smith um he's produced a lot of big records and and he's uh he's a very successful uh record company guy owner has been for like 20 years um and he was telling me um this story um, when he was younger, and, no, and he still hadn't made it as a producer yet, um, uh, he, was, he was an engineer first. And, um, so there was this band, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, who he really liked. And um, they, uh, they had made two records for us. Uh, I forget the name of the record company, but it, they went out of business and uh they are both really good records i think but um and he was a fan of the band so he was thinking well what what i need to do to get my career further is to find you know find a band like any producer find a band that i really love and work with them you know and and make you know try and get successful with them and so he contacted tom petty and they were uh these guys were, like, starving. They were living in, like, funky motels in L.A. And, you know, nobody had any money. And they made these two albums, which are great, I think, are really good albums. Um, and nobody, you know, they both bombed, basically. The, the, none of them sold, um, you know. So as far as most record companies, they were over, you know. and But Jimmy was, like, a fan of theirs. So he got in touch with them. And they said, we'll come out to L.A., you know, and let's, let's hear what, and we'll play some of our new songs. And so he went out there. Anyway, long story short, he loved their new material, and he was really into the band. And so for no money, you know, he got, he got a, a good recording studio to give him some time on spec, and, um, you know, the band went in and started recording the album that ended up being Damn the Torpedoes, which was a huge success.
5: Yeah. and and
0: um uh, and has like some really good songs on it and uh um and so these they were all you know he was really young, and they were really young, and everyone was scuffling, and you know nobody had any money, and everyone was just kind of doing this labor of love, and Jimmy kind of put himself on the line with the record uh with the recording studio and with the engineer you know who he he owed a ton of money to this guy who was a great engineer and uh who when he first started working on the project he thought that the band had been signed you know and so everyone was really out on a limb for this record and when it was finished and they worked really hard on it when it was finished um um he went uh, there's a record there used to be a recording studio called record plant in new york where a lot of Big records were recorded, and Jimmy Jimmy started out there as an assistant engineer, and um, so he went. He, there, there's a couple, There's a woman who works there. We used to work there. Who had a teenage, ch- a kid, and who went to high school in Staten Island, and um, so he had the idea that he would get this kid's class to come in, or maybe it's junior high school get this kid's class to come in, and he would play them the new stuff that he'd been working on and see what they thought. So the class comes in. It's like a field trip for the class, you know. So the class comes in, and he starts playing them. He had two records that he completed. One was Tom Petty, and the other one was another guy. I can't remember who he is, but nothing ever happened with his career, and his music sounded very much like Journey, who was really huge at the time. So, are you with me here? We're with you. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, um, so he played the four best songs of each album, and there's 32 kids in the class, and every single one of them hated Tom Petty and loved the other guy, and <laughs> and ahead. he had just, I mean, he he had maxed out several credit cards doing this record, you know. He he was. This was like. It was like an all-or-nothing situation, and he was sure that this band was going to be popular, Tom Petty, and all of a sudden, and he wasn't that into the other guy, I guess, and all of a sudden, he started, you know, he, he had a panic attack, you know, because he said, oh, my God, what if I put the last year and a half of work and put myself in debt and everything for this band, and kids aren't going to like it? (laughs) you know and he was just flipping out you know I mean and I know how he feels because I've been in that situation so anyway turns out as we all know Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers became a huge band with just hit after hit after hit after hit and um, the other guy no one ever heard of (laughs) and um, so he told he told me this story and he said why do you think you know that happened you know and I said I don't know you know he said, "Well, the reason is because he talked to the he, he talked to the kid, you know, the the kids afterwards. You know, I guess he he kept up with a couple of them. And the reason is is because when kids are in junior high school, they're afraid of new things and they're afraid to like anything that the cool people in school don't like. And so." A buzz gets going about a certain artist or a certain name or a certain kind of clothing or something, and everybody jumps on the bandwagon and is into that because that's yeah. what everyone's into. And You know what I mean? And and nobody, there was nobody in the rock-pop world at the time who sounded remotely like Tom Petty, who has kind of a, a weird sort of nasal voice, you know, and some of his music is not you know, it's not particularly aggressive, and I don't know, you know, um, uh, and so kids didn't like it, because they never heard anything like that before, and there's always, but there's always, like, a group of kids who are like the arty kids, you know, or who are like the, you know, sort of the intellectuals, or the the kids that are determined not to be into whatever's popular, (laughs) I was always one of those kids, exactly, (laughs) and, uh, and so, if so, like, for, for the first, like, until maybe 1987, I never heard any Elton John songs or Led Zeppelin or David Bowie or anybody that was really big like that. I just, for some reason, a lot of my friends were like this. It's like, well, if they're really big, they must not be very good, you know everybody likes him and they probably sold out or whatever you know and um and so that's so but those, those are the kids that discover new stuff and then somehow somebody hears it you know somebody somebody you know maybe a kid who's like a popular kid and is sort of borderline friends with this kid you know maybe their parents are friends or something so he'll say, "Okay, well, what do you, you know? Play, go ahead and play it for me." And the kid, in the arty kid, will say, "Wow, isn't this great? These guys are really great." And the other guy will go, "Yeah, I do like that, you know, or you know, <laughs> like beer." When you yeah, you know, <laughs> or like you know, you loaned me that album, and the first couple of times I listened to it, I just could couldn't get into it. I mean, so many people have said that to me about so many big records. You know, when I first got it, I just I don't know. I just didn't get it, you know. I couldn't understand it. But the more I listened to it, I started to realize that it's really good. Hmm. You know, and um I think that's just what happens, you know, um with a lot of popular music, you know, um as with kids particularly. I don't know if grown-ups are like that, but
1: Yeah, you can tell hey, the kids like pretty quick. They they do great marketing for them too once they get once they catch Yeah.
0: Up. Well, that now is Now it's such a science, it's just disgusting. I mean, you know, and and a lot of kids resent it, too. I mean, a lot of kids don't want to be manipulated. I mean, that was the whole grunge thing was like nobody wanted to be sold something, you know. Nobody wanted to have to wear certain kinds of clothing because, I mean, not nobody, but a certain group of people said, man, this is all bullshit. These commercials are bullshit. MTV is bullshit, (laughs) you know. The radio, you know, the pop radio is bullshit. All that stuff is bought, you know. You know, it's all payola and it's all, you know, we need, we want something that's like the real thing that's for us, that's like real kids' stuff, you know. Music for and by kids like us, you know, maybe a couple years older, but kids who are going through the same shit we're going through, you know. And so that's how movements like grunge or like the San Francisco scene or You know, like any kind of... Or rock and roll itself. Let's talk about a perfect example. You know, like I worked with um, Levon Helm once, and he was telling me, you know, he grew up in Arkansas across the river from Memphis, and he's the same age as Elvis. And he knew Elvis, and he knew, you know, he played with some of the same people who played with Elvis, and they were all kind of like in the same musician scene, and they would play frat parties mainly, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and in those days, musicians were not cool, you know, football players were cool, musicians were not cool, so nobody respected them, and, uh, you know, people made fun of them, people treated them like shit, you know, and um, that's just the way it was, they did it for the love of it, they were musicians, because that's what they did, and he was telling me that's what happened with elvis you know the whole thing with elvis was like elvis was the real thing you know when he first started out he was a real kid you know doing an original kind of thing i mean he you know he copied a lot of stuff from black performers but you know he was one of the first white people to really rock and to sing sexual music and to move to it and stuff and um you know, and so all the underground kids from where they all grew up, you know all the their friends were listening to Elvis and people like him, you know, and everybody else was into pat Boone and you know all these like super clean you know uh, manufactured you know pop artists you know um and um and that's what that's how rock and roll was born you know it was it wasn't popular. It was too weird for people, you know,
5: mm-hmm.
0: and um, and especially down south, people were scared of it. You know, they, people said, "Oh, this is nigger music." You know, we can't. I mean, the first time Elvis re- appeared on uh, on the Ed Sullivan show, his first national TV appearance, they would not photograph him from the waist down. Mm-hmm. They just showed him from the chest up. They wouldn't show. His lower body because they thought it was lewd and it would turn off a lot of the sponsors and a lot of the fans, you know, the people out there in America. So they couldn't show his body moving, you know. Um, and that's what the mentality was like that. I mean, can you imagine if those people ever saw Prince or, you know, uh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> it never sex pistols yeah. or something, uh-huh. you know? I mean, they'd have a heart attack, you know, but. And then then he said that when Elvis got, you know, when he he got with Colonel Parker and he got a big record deal with RCA and he started doing more polite, um, pleasant music that wasn't as raw, and obviously he sold a lot more records and, you know, um, and he was in – and he started doing all these cheesy movies and, like, um, all his friends just – who were really into rock and roll, they were just disappointed, you know, because what had made him great initially, he was starting to lose, you know, and he was becoming a puppet for, you know, music business executives and stuff. And uh, and a lot of rock critics really think that was the real tragedy. tragedy of Elvis was when he first started, he invented a whole new thing. And he wasn't afraid to just get right out there with it, you know. And then he started, you know, he started making money. And then he got, you know, a big-time manager. And then they said, well, you know, we sold a million records, but we can sell eight million if you clean it up a little bit, you know. Um, if you do a few of these movies and, you know, some of these cheesy movie soundtracks and stuff. you'll and make They were people- cheesy. Yeah, and you'll make. But he made a whole lot more money. He did, except, you know, maybe he wouldn't have. I don't know. A lot of people think that if he would have stuck to his guns and and taken himself seriously as an artist rather than like an entertainer or a show business person, that maybe all that stuff wouldn't have happened to him. You know, who knows? I mean, you hindsight 2020, 20, but.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely a major influence. Obviously. Um, all right, so we only got a couple minutes, and I got to call. Yeah, up. I'm sorry, I'm uh,
0: rambling. I like okay. to talk.
1: Good stuff. Love talking about Elvis. 305, you're with us. Hey, hey, hey this is Ralph Yeah. Hey, this
5: is uh, Eddie Zine. I knew you. I think you. Hey,
8: Eddie. Yeah, I know you. Uh,
5: yeah. How I'm, are you, uh, man? Good. I, I, you know, I missed most of the show because I'm getting. I've been packing tonight because I'm going to New York uh, in the morning. But uh, I remembered you're on so I'm gonna download the uh if Doug and Mel put up the uh uh broadcast, I'm gonna take it with me and listen to it on my way up. But oh, I'm looking cool, forward man. looking forward to seeing you playing uh yeah. in LA. Are, oh, you are do you, you live in LA? No, I'm in Miami. Oh. Are you but still playing I'm, drums? Yes. Uh as a matter of fact, I'm I'm playing with the bass player from Flog and a band called Tony Stevens Slowride. I'm playing cool. with Fernando Perdomo with Dreaming in Stereo. And and uh, as I know Mel and Doug know, I, uh, the Hollow & released a, a four CD set a week ago, I think. And and tracks from uh, 1975 are on there with me uh, on the first disc. But I'm, yeah, are you playing, say, go ahead.
0: No, I, I that's when I met you. You were a Hall and drummer.
5: And uh, I remember going to Central Park and seeing the, you playing with Todd, uh, and that, that was one of my favorite lineups. And I can't wait to see you doing it again, man. Was that the
0: the one that with the live recording?
5: Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: That was great. That was my first gig with him, and it was really
5: well. well there's a lot of the stuff you did with him that's on record. That's just amazing stuff. So I'm um, yeah, and. I remember you were hanging in an apartment, I think, with Stephen Dees or, or a friend of Stephen Deese's, uh and you were, uh, I forget who, you, you were playing behind a, a singer, I can't remember her name right now. Hmm.
0: Uh, but I uh, played, Well, I played on Stephen Dees's record. Okay, uh, there you go. That Daryl produced. Right. Maybe it was there. With yeah, it. that's probably it. Yeah. Well, I'm
5: really happy to see that uh, you'll be doing this.
0: Oh, me too, I, man. Thank you. I, I'm I'm so looking forward to it.
5: All right, well, I'm going to get off Doug and Mel. I know you're up against uh, the, the edge here. Yep, of your, 10
1: seconds. Of your all right, I appreciate you calling me, man. Good seeing you in uh, Philly.
5: Uh, I, yeah, it was great meeting you. Are you me. from Philly? No, I went there to, when Doug and went, and Mel went there to see oh. the uh, all Notes played and Todd played the last show at the uh, Spectrum. Oh, oh.
1: Yeah, they, they t- uh, they're they demolishing the Wachovia spectrum, and Todd and, oh. and the Hooters had a show over there. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. the
0: Hooters. They're they are friends of mine, too. I, I oh, that I? Yeah, that's right. You told I work with of, um, Rob and Eric a lot. Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, I've seen what, them a long time. They, still, they can still play. Man, it was yeah. good.
0: It was yeah, Rob's night. the guy I was telling you about who has all the organs. I don't know if he still does, but he used to have, like... <laughs> A big warehouse full of antique instruments,
1: oh, that's the guy, okay, okay, yeah, they put on a show, man, It was a great show over there, and,
0: yeah you know. they're 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 really good musicians and writers, and you know they had i mean time after time, it's one of the best pop songs ever written, and what if God was one of us, you know, Eric wrote that in one night, you know, um
1: he wrote that,
0: yeah, he wrote oh, it all know by that. himself. <laughs>
1: That's a good song, yeah. Yeah. He's no a question. talent.
0: They're, they're Those guys are really talented guys.
1: Yeah, so Eddie's flying in from Miami, and then we have uh, another, EJ's flying in from Fort Lauderdale. We have some Florida contingent coming in for these gigs. and wow. he, Eddie, I think, has got a gig with uh, this guy. He plays with Fernando. They're going to do a couple while they're around there in California, or maybe it's Fernando has a place there or something, but he'll be uh-huh. at the L.A. gig and maybe Ventura, which is – L.A. is going to be the biggest one. That's going to be at the um, Orpheum Theater.
0: And Kaz, Kaz has been like, I mean, he he does a lot of stuff on his own too. I mean, has he been active as a solo artist all these years? Uh, off and on, he,
1: he, off and he has been. Yeah, it's you know because he's mo- mainly toured with Meatloaf, so yeah, but he's 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 still been pretty active solo, and he's he's got a band now.
0: But he's I know he's a got a geek coming up next week, I think, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, uh, he's yeah. got a couple over in the Philly area, and then. Um, I think he's I think he's through with Meatloaf, so he's probably going to be doing more solo stuff and band stuff on his own.
0: Last time great. I saw him, I think he was playing with Joan Jett. Yeah, that was a long time ago.
1: <laughs> yeah,
5: and
0: I've only I only played with Kaz once, which was a one-off thing that when Todd played in Saturday Saturday Night Live. Oh yeah. And that's the only time I have ever hung out with Kaz, but I love him. He's he's another great musician and really nice guy.
2: Well you'll be working with him real soon. Yeah. As a matter
0: of fact I've I've been me I I've been meaning to call him. I I've been wanting to call him. I spoke to Willie Wilcox. I talked to him from time to time. I spoke to him a couple of days ago and um he gave me ta- um Kaz's phone number. Um Yeah, Willie and Kaz stay in touch a lot of Yeah, Willie's great. I love him. He's he's such a cool guy.
1: Yeah. Um Kaz, what song was that y'all did on Saturday Night Live?
0: Do oh, I don't remember yeah. what song it was a weird it was I think I guess we did two songs it was a weird um it was a band it was like everybody in the band except me never played with Todd again or before that
5: hmm.
0: it was I think Michael Shreve from Santana was on drums and um what's the name of that really great uh keyboard player um David Sanchez hmm. you know who he is Mm-hmm. oh god he's a killer amazing keyboard player he was in sting's band and he wow. was in bruce springsteen's original e street band he was the first piano player he had and um he's played with a lot of big famous jazz people he's one of those like just technical whiz guys you know he can just play anything <laughs> so Mark he was i can
1: find that on youtube
0: yeah Oh, you can find a lot of his stuff on and he writes beautiful music too. Now, I
1: wanna to find the one you and Chasm together. I'll have to look that yeah, up. Yeah,
0: you know. Um yeah, I, it That might be on
1: YouTube. Mm hmm. Um, I,
0: you I remember because... well <laughs> another funny story, but I don't know if we have time for it. <laughs> <I> w- <laughs> I, I, it's a short story. I was I was, um Prince was on that show too, and
1: oh, that show was yeah, it Tom Hills and Healer somebody said it might have been Tom Hills and Healer.
0: yeah, that sounds right, okay so um <laughs> uh, so anyway, um I met uh one of uh, you know dr funk the one of, one of Prince's keyboard players, and um so they told me, well, you got to go get your makeup. Get, go get go into makeup because you guys are going to be on soon and so i went to this i said where's makeup and somebody told me to go to this room so i went to this makeup room and you know there's all these makeup these like barber chairs and um dr funk is in there i was a fan of his and so we started talking and you know we were talking for like and i'm thinking i keep looking around where's the makeup person and anyway it turns out there's two makeup rooms <laughs> and um Somebody comes running in and goes, "Ralph, you guys are on in thirty seconds. Where have you been?" I said, "I'm, <clears throat> I'm in makeup," and and then they so I come running out. You know, Todd's counting off the song, and Chasem uh, leans over to me and says, um, Todd, "The song Todd can't sing it in the, in the original key, so he's doing it a half step higher." and um this is like as he's counting off the song
3: <laughs> and
0: um you know transposing a song into a, a new key a half step higher i mean it's 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 not easy let's put it that way but the keyboard that he had me playing had a little transpose knob <laughs> so I, luckily i just uh i just you know turned the knob to the next key and played it the way i knew it but it was funny
2: that's funny because Kaz, oh, uh, last time he was on the show, he spoke about that same episode.
0: Oh, did he? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, basically, actually, I had—I think I had asked him if he had ever met Prince, and he—he was talking about playing on that show. Yeah. Um, hmm. That uh, he ran into him later on at some Seven Eleven, and Prince was buying a bunch of junk food, and <laughs> apparently was not very friendly.
0: Yeah, Prince is, uh, you know, I mean, whenever I've been in the same room with him, um, he's got a shield around him, you know, I mean, he definitely doesn't want anyone to bother him, and, and I think it's, uh, I mean, from what I people say, he's just really shy, but, but um, you know, because I've been on Saturday Night Live actually twice when he was on, and they have a casting, cast party afterwards at a restaurant, and both times, like when Prince walked in, you know it was like you just could tell he didn't want anybody to approach him, you know
8: yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've seen him
0: inter- interviewed um on t v and he's really a really quite personable guy with a great sense of humor, and you know he doesn't you know he's he's a very interesting person.
1: Well, it's probably, I'm sure it's hard to to be in his shoes and everybody wants to say something to you and, you know, all that kind yeah. of, it's got to be difficult.
0: Yeah, everyone is, you know, everyone is a potential energy drain, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and if you if you want to do high quality, you know, if you're a visionary like that, you know, you need all the energy you can get, you know. Yeah, Definitely.
1: All right, good deal. Well, hey, Ralph, it's
0: been great again as usual. And, For me uh, too, man. I'm glad. I, I hope I didn't talk too much. No, well, great.
2: I, I just hope that we didn't drain too much of your energy.
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I'm well. I'm not a visionary. Okay, I'm just a keyboard player. But uh, no, you know, truthfully, some people, on the other hand, give you a lot of energy, which, you know, when when you meet a new person. Unless you're going to be totally sheltered, you have to open yourself up and take the risk because if you don't let anybody talk to you, you never know what you're missing. You might be missing the most incredible conversation you ever had in your life, you know. True. But right. definitely, Todd, you guys and Todd's, all of these fans have definitely given me energy, I'll tell you. I mean, I had to <laughs> no idea. Well, great.
1: Well, I had no, no, time. I'm had... sure in these shows, we can't wait. I
0: mean, it's, it's, not, it's actually only four weeks
1: away, so. Yeah, making up on us. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna you send go you some your stuff homework. now. That I'll, yeah, yeah, I'll <laughs> definitely send you some stuff because. Uh,
0: cool man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Anything. Don't tell Todd. Yeah, okay. <laughs> right. You might
2: want to clear it with Todd first, just to, you know, to make sure that he is going to do it in the same. Order that he's been
0: doing the show. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Actually, I was going to email him tonight because uh, I had a couple other questions for him. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, I, I can't imagine him changing after they took all that time to learn it. The rest of the band. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm dying to the see about. the. I'm dying to see the opening act. I don't, you know I have no idea what that's going to be. All
1: right. Well, we'll just have to be surprised on that one, I guess. Yeah, but
0: you know that's one of those uh, getting yourself out of your comfort zone moves. I'm mm-hmm. sure.
1: Mm-hmm. You know. Well, I would, uh, we'd actually like him to tell us what it is so we could promote it, but um, I know he likes to surprise everybody, which is fun for the first show, but then everybody already knows what it is because with the internet, it doesn't, yeah, people to figure it out. So, you know, and also probably the
0: lighting people and the sound people would love to know what it is. Yeah,
1: that's true. I'm sure they'll do one day a rehearsal practice of it, or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If we could have advertised that, you know, we were going to have this this, um, somewhat utopia thing for the first couple of shows, it might have helped out some more. Not that we needed any for those shows anyway, but, you know, uh, I think uh, maybe some Utopia fans would have been more interested in coming out. But Yeah. It is what it is, man.
0: Yep. I'm not right. complaining.
1: Me either. All right. I'll be in touch. Okay. All right. Thank Chris you, Meryl. guys. Thank Thanks you both have... so much.
2: We'll see you in a month, okay?
1: Yes. There you go. Cruiser Chris will see you next week with Sarah Lee.
0: All righty. All right. Peace.